Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where light years? More like not-so-quite years. Because while the Lakers may still have a one-two punch, it unfortunately still doesn't compare to the championship-caliber Warriors punching each other in the face in practice, which somehow translates to them punching their opponents in the face on the basketball court. So welcome to the start of the 2022-23 NBA regular season. Per usual, the Lakers are 0-1 to start the season. And somehow, even with 70% of their roster overturned once again, Russell Westbrook is still a Laker. So, the more things change, the more things stay the same. And here we are. I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and I'm joined by my co-host, Tommy Alexander, Tommy, the Lakers lost to the Warriors 123-109 to last night. I wanted to ask you specifically about watching the Warriors' ring ceremony and understanding that the Lakers were just in this position two years ago, and yet it seems like an eternity away. Did watching Bob Myers, Joe Lacob, and the organization and all the players, and did that elicit any sort of feelings for you? Nah, I mean, I know what you're getting at. I, I, I think that, like, you know, ultimately not really. I mean, but it is just constantly a reminder of, you know, what we essentially what we did is like what the Warriors did last year. But then, like, we immediately cut loose Wiggins, Jordan Poole, you know, James Wiseman and Moody to get like Brad Beal. You know what I mean? Like a, a player that's, and, and that's probably putting it like a little I, I bit nicely. I wish it was Brad Beal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, like a player that is sort of like at best redundant and like not really like a winner. I'm trying to think of like a better example than Brad Beal, but you know, just like a, a middling star, maybe at the end of their prime, I guess so bad. Maybe Brad Beal doesn't apply. No, no disrespect, so Brad Beal. Russell Westbrook. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like the Warriors making this kind of trade for like Russell Westbrook. And it's just like, okay, you know, and, and that's, that's what we did. And it's just kind of embarrassing to see another team that's like, yeah, look, maybe their bench is going to be inconsistent this year because they have a lot of young guys. But when you, they start rolling out these names of like first round picks who they're like rolling in off the bench, like, and that's behind Steph, Clay, Draymond, Wiggins, and Looney, which might be like the best starting five in the entire league. That's just, it's just like embarrassing. All homegrown talent. On top of that, 
they just recently paid Andrew Wiggins, Jordan Poole, you know? So you set that against the backdrop of the Lakers having let loose a guy in Alex Caruso because they didn't want to pay him. And understanding that the Warriors have built something sustainable over the last eight years. And to me, the most jarring thing was it was only two years ago, but it just reminded me of how far we've fallen and how seemingly big the gap is now in order to get back to that state, you know? And to me, that was kind of, it was just, it was frustrating for me. But anyways, the NBA is back. Um, Before we get on with our show, uh, please, folks, if you guys could rate and review us five stars on the Apple Podcast app, and please also hit the five-star button on our Spotify page. That would be amazing. We are at 49 five-stars on Spotify. We just need one brave soul to step up to the plate and get us to 50 before we can rock it off to 100 Spotify five-stars. Because to be honest with you, I'm not sure if this podcast will survive this season without your guys' support. We might have to bench ourselves and pull our groins ourselves as a result of it. Anyways, so yeah, the Lakers lost 123-109 to to the Warriors last night. Um, but they were down as many as like 18, 20-plus points at various points of the third quarter. It wasn't really a close game. Yeah, it wasn't really a close game. Um, story of the game was essentially spacing, or lack thereof, and size or an aggregate lack thereof in the Lakers' case. And main theme for me was the Lakers got outclassed, and that's going to happen against a championship Warriors team. But, you know, there's always that adage of the best time to catch, like, a championship team sleeping is on the first game or on day one of the regular season because they're, you know, all cut up. They're all caught up in the euphoria of getting their rings and celebrating their championship. And as far as the Warriors are concerned, they also had that extracurricular drama with Draymond Green and Jordan Poole involved. But of course, because the Lakers don't have any continuity and because, uh, yeah, because they still have Russell Westbrook and that looming sort of cloud with regards to an impending trade over their heads, uh, they of course were not able to take advantage. But before we get to some of our worries and negative points on this Lakers team and this game, of which there are many, I thought we would start this episode off a little bit more positively. So, Tommy, give me one or two positive plays of yours that were your favorite from last night. And I I mean the Lakers' positive plays, not the Warriors. So go ahead. Ay, ay, ay. Um, (laughs) I mean, like, the results weren't there, but... I, this isn't a specific play. I just want to comment on at least generally the ball movement and spacing principles are better than what we've seen the last few years. It seems like there is like actually a plan on offense. We just don't have the the guys to execute it. I know not a specific play, but I just overall this is going to be a very negative podcast, and so I just want to point out that like generally, you know, I I I was impressed by the fact that it seems like we at least have a plan on that end. And then in terms of like I guess getting to one specific play, you know, the one play I get, you know, where where we got a steal and LeBron came down in transition. And this is so sad that this is like a highlight <laughs> play for me, but like we got a dunk, like. 
that to me is like how this team has to play, like creating disruption on, you know, causing mm-hmm. chaos on defense between Pat Bev and AD. We had like a ton of steals. I mean, you know, sort of attribute that to maybe a little bit of early season. Every team runs high on turnovers, but you know, with those two guys in the starting five, we're going to generate a good amount of steals and deflections and, and blocks and, and all this and that. So, you know, those that the play where I think Pat Bev, you know, deflected a pass and, you know, the guy scrambled for the ball, pushed it up the court. Lonnie to Lonnie, who, yeah. Lonnie got it. And then, and then handed off to LeBron for the power dunk. Like the difference between this year and last year with respect to those types of plays is we have the support athleticism in place to sort of take the burden off of LeBron. Like he doesn't have to steal a ball and then dribble it 70 feet and then dunk it. Like he has other guys who can run with him. And more importantly, after the break can get back so that we don't get burned on back on the other end. So, you know, that's how this team needs to play. And, and we just, you know, unfortunately because of a variety of factors that we'll get into, I don't think we're going to see too much of it this year. Yeah, I mean, the Lakers were able to hold serve in the first half. I think they were only down by seven points, uh, primarily because of their defense, because clearly they had nothing going for them in terms of shooting and spacing on the offensive end. And to your point, Anthony Davis and Patrick Beverly both had four steals. They combined for eight steals, which is pretty amazing. Um, And yeah, on the other play that sort of reminiscent of that transition dunk by LeBron James uh, would be the Russell Westbrook lob, right? One-handed crusher in transition. So we definitely need more of those plays. Um, for me, the one play that stood out to me was um, in the first half, I think Anthony Davis got one of his steals in the half court, and I thought he was going to pass it off to a teammate, but he immediately took it down himself and raced down the court off his own dribble and laid it in. And to me, I was like, whoa, uh, I haven't seen a as agile and as quick an Anthony Davis as that in a while, you know? Uh, and usually he's passing it off to a primary initiator first so that he can get the lob, but he literally just did the whole damn thing himself from steel to dribbling down court to this, you know, acrobatic layup where he stretched out his entire body and like calmly laid it in. So for me, that was a, a really awesome play to see from Anthony Davis, who overall had a really good night his three-point shooting nonwithstanding, he didn't hit any threes. Um, and then on defense, Anthony Davis also had this one play against Jordan Poole. I think Jordan Poole drove it into the paint, and it almost felt like Anthony Davis simultaneous, simultaneously got a block and a steal at the same time. Uh, he was literally suffocating and covering guys like Jordan Poole in the paint. And whether he was knocking the ball or contesting the shot and then immediately cutting off a passing lane all in the same jump and the same play. To me, that was just another flash of, oh yeah, this Anthony Davis guy is a freak on the defensive end. He's not only smart, but he knows how to use his physical gifts. And I I watched him single-handedly carry our defense last night, Tommy. And I'm just like, can we get this guy some support? Patrick yeah. Beverly helps, but pa- Patrick Beverly's also 6'1", trying to guard... Six, seven, six, eight guys. Andrew, we, you know? we literally had this guy matched up against Andrew Wiggins. And I'm watching Anthony Davis bust his butt out there, and it's amazing. But I'm like, he can't do this for 82 games, dude. No. He's going to break down by game eight, and we need to oh, give him at some. Best. Yeah, at best. <laughs> like, I want to see him get through five. I was like, we need to give him some front court support, whether that's another center or another wing, because we can't 
put this to waste. This dude can do everything. He just needs, again, some taller dudes flanking him who can sort of do the same things. But anyways, those are my positive plays of the game. Um, Because this episode is going to be majority pretty negative, why don't we just continue to talk about some highlight individual players of yours last night. And we can start with Anthony Davis and move on to LeBron James and any other ancillary players who sort of, you know, quote unquote, did their job for you last night because Anthony Davis had 27 points, six rebounds, four steals, one block, 10 of 22 from the field, seven of nine from the free throw line. Didn't hit any threes, but overall, looked very active. He fell like four different times and like hit the stanchion. Some of them were hard. Yeah, Yeah, those looked ridiculous. But overall, I mean, he gutted it out and he looked amazing on both ends and was attacking, was taking things off the dribble. Um, Yeah, what were your thoughts on Anthony Davis and any other players? Anthony Davis did look amazing. And it's just kind of highlighting to me the fact that, you know, and and we'll get into this a little bit more in detail, but the big rationale, and I'm just going to keep going all season back to this buddy and Miles Turner trade, right? (laughs) But the big rationale for not doing it is like, you have all these fans crying that it's not enough. And I just think we need to be very clear. Like if LeBron and Anthony Davis are playing like this, that's enough. You know what I mean? We What we need is the support around them and the NBA quality depth. And so, you know, LeBron and AD for game one of the season, like you talk about guys saying things in the offseason and then coming in game one and like putting their money where their mouth is like, that's what those guys did in this game. The problem is they don't have the support around them to win games. Basketball is a team sport and we don't have a team. Um, so... You know, Anthony Davis, LeBron looked amazing. Nobody else really impressed me, to be honest, on the entire roster. I mean, Russ had his numbers as he gets, but, like, didn't have a great game, in my opinion. Everybody else looked mediocre. Pat Bev looked okay on defense, but borderline washed. Lonnie Walker is just going to be inconsistent like this all season. That's just who he, I mean, look, he, I, frankly, I will admit that he is better than I thought when I looked at the analytics, but like he is actually a serviceable NBA player rotation player, but he's starting for us and playing 30 minutes. Like he played more minutes in the game last night than Andrew Wiggins. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so like certainly more time than clay and Draymond green. So like that, that's just not going to cut it. And if Anthony Davis and LeBron are playing like this, we're really, really doing them a disservice by not getting more NBA starter quality players around them. Yeah, LeBron almost had a triple-double, 31 points, 14 rebounds, 8 assists, had that ridiculous tomahawk dunk that you mentioned earlier that showed he clearly still has the bunny hops in his legs. Um, And actually, he was driving it a lot last night, mainly because he had to, right? And he was actually bullyballing people like old LeBron used to do. Uh, he was only 3 of 10 from 3, so he didn't really even have his stroke going. Um, but yeah, he played well. Anthony Davis played well. I thought Kendrick Nunn uh, continued his pretty solid play. 13 points, 3 rebounds, 2 assists, 1 steal, 3 of 6 from 3-point land. Was our only sort of safety release valve from the perimeter. But he only gets 23 minutes? And again, we'll get into the negative rotation issues and whatnot and just the overall cloud and haze that Russell Westbrook places on this team in spite of the fact that he's putting up 19 points, 11 rebounds, 3 assists, you know. Um, But yeah, none played well. And 
I think that's pretty much it for this team. You alluded to it earlier. There are some pretty good plays being run to get shooters open. I mean, that's why Matt Ryan played 18 minutes, you know? We were running a lot of those plays for him. It's just the guys aren't executing. Uh, We saw a couple of air balls from Juan Toscano Anderson. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and like, to be clear, like, none of these guys, it's like LeBron said it, which is just so crazy because LeBron has been on this team, like, we were talking just before we started recording. This is his fifth season with us or whatever. Um is it actually five or is it is this four? I think this is the fifth season. Okay. 18, it's been 19, a lot 19, of seasons. 20, 20. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's been many seasons. And we've ha- we haven't been a great shooting team, really any of those, certainly not as good as he's had, you know, over the course of his career. And for him to come out game one of the season and say this is pretty damning. Because we shot horrifically during the preseason – we shot horrifically game one of the season. There's no indication that any of these guys are going to be elite shooters. I mean, Patrick Beverly has been career about 40, but he took a big dip. And by the way, his career 40 was like always on pretty low volume and like mostly corner threes when he was with the Clippers and Rockets. You know, Lonnie Walker has always been up and down. Wenyan never been a good shooter. Matt Ryan has barely played in the NBA. Toscano has been up and down. Austin Reeves was a, not a great shooter last year. Kendrick Nunn has been kind of, you know, middling for a guard. Like, none, like, AD has been below average. LeBron has been barely average. Russ is horrific. Like, none of the, like, you look across the board and it's like no one is on the horizon as like, this, this guy had an off night, but he could be, he could help us. Mm-hmm. 25% shooting is maybe going to be like a, uh, somewhat of an outlier, but I don't think it's going to be that much of an outlier. I mean, this team is going to be low 30s as a team shooting threes. So I don't like it's crazy that this was the plan. It is crazy, and we'll get into it. Um, last thing I want to say is okay, let's talk about Westbrook. He had a solid game. I feel like most of it happened, the scoring at least happened in the second half. He did rebound the ball well, had a double double, 11 rebounds. Obviously shot efficiently. He didn't shoot that many shots. Seven of 12. Three assists. Um, he did have four turnovers, and they were of the egregious kind. Some of his shots, again, were turnovers, um, where he misses the layup, falls to the ground, complains, and then on the other end, the Golden State Warriors are playing, you know, five on four and scoring a quick, easy basket. And yes, Russell Westbrook did his job. It wasn't egregiously bad or anything like that. We needed his points. We needed his rebounding. And a bunch of people on Twitter afterwards kept saying, oh, so we're just going to keep blaming Russell Westbrook? Was Russell Westbrook to blame tonight again? And it's game one and I'm already exhausted. I feel like we're going to be recycling the same damn talking points and arguments about Russell Westbrook because he's still on this damn team. It has never been solely Russell Westbrook's fault that the Lakers are bad. Okay, yeah. let's get that out of the way. But it is the fact that Russell Westbrook is making $47 million, which is pretty much equal to three high-level role players in the NBA. Pretty much three guys that we traded out for him, right? Or like two starter-level NBA players. And he, regardless of how well or solidly Russell Westbrook is playing, of which he didn't even do last night, he was just passable, he will never be able to live up to that $47 million. Because at the end of the day, even if he's only taking 12 shots and he's highly efficient, 
the effect that he has on the court with regards to taking minutes away from Austin Reeves, taking minutes away from Kendrick Nunn, taking minutes away from Lonnie Walker, and then on top of that, the way that he affects how defenses play us is huge. That's insurmountable, regardless of how well he plays and how well he's able to, you know, he had that one play against Steph Curry where he took him one-on-one, got into the baseline and put in that nice, you know, banked shot in. But again, Russell Westbrook remains our primary way of substantially improving this team. So even if he has that crazy one-handed tomahawk jam in transition, guess what? Fans are going to get on him for turning the ball over the next play or airballing the next play because they know that they should have two or three more substantial players in his place. And so unfair or not, Palinka has put him in this impossible situation where it honestly does not matter how amazing he plays because fans will always look to his next turnover or his next airball or his next mistake. And I feel bad for Russell Westbrook in that respect. And again, I point back to Rob Palinka, who thought this was a good idea of, you know, putting Russell Westbrook in this position where it's a lose-lose situation for him every time. And it's a lose-lose for the fans, you know, and I, I honestly feel bad for Russell Westbrook. I don't feel bad that he opted into $47 million, but like Russell Westbrook thought that he was getting traded too, you know? Yeah. So who does yeah. that rest on? So yeah. it, it just sucks. This is game one and we're, we're here talking about this lunacy. Right I know. Now, you know, I know. And it's unfortunate because, and, it, and again, it just, like you said, it's stupid arguments because someone's going to look at the stats who didn't watch the game and be like, Russ had 19, 11 and three, like, and a steal. Like, you know, if you, if you're going to tell me that your third best player is giving you that somewhat consistently, like you can't be so greedy. It's not, that's not, has nothing to do with it. You know, first of all, that is ignoring the impact and looking at stat padding, which feels like the goal of this season is like for our big three to stat pad and like everybody uh, else just sort of float, you know, that's this like, this might that's be really a microcosm of our season. Yeah. No, I mean, and it, and it starts with game one. I mean, like, look, I don't want to trash Russ too much for like trying to rebound because we're starting three, like pretty small guards in the starting five and an undersized front court with LeBron and AD. So I'm not going to say it's solely for stat padding that Russ had 11 rebounds, but I mean, like some of these rebounds that he goes for to like collect numbers, like, I mean, there was a play in the third quarter that like got some discussion, but he's like going up for a rebound and like AD has the ball and Russ like tips it out because he can't get a full hand on it. It goes right to the Warriors and they hit a three, you know? So it's mm-hmm. like, those types of plays, the plays where it's like, you know, the Warriors are on a 24 to 3 run, which is catapulted by the fact that Russ had like three consecutive bad plays in a row, including two turnovers, like one of which on a fast break, he's like standing out of bounds, you know? So it's like, these are the types of things that don't really, the stats don't really capture. And even if, you know, we accept that this was a pretty good game for us, like I will say, this was a good game for us. This is the best that we're going to get from him on a on a night to night basis, and it's not going to consistently be this. And if this is if this is the best you're getting from him, that's not good. You know, you need more. It's better to spread that to like depth that we actually do need. Yeah, and you, you see the depreciating effects it has on other players like Austin Reeves, who's only playing 16 minutes. You know, Austin is a type of player who, yeah, you put him out there and he's going to do his energy hustle thing, but. You just need to give him more run and reps so that he can get into a rhythm of the game. And Kendrick Nunn has been our best player, like one of our best players in preseason, and he's only getting 23 minutes, you know? 
Um, yeah. This is not even the like Dennis Schroeder is not here. Troy Brown isn't here. I definitely yeah. did not have Matt Ryan playing 18 minutes and Wenyan Gabriel playing eight <laughs> minutes on my bingo card no, on no, day, day like, one of the season. You know what I mean? First game we, of the season. But here we, we are. A, we have a DoorDash driver who we signed off like the cemetery grounds <laughs> playing 18 <laughs> minutes for us in game one of the season. You know what I mean? It's not to say that Matt Ryan doesn't deserve a spot on an NBA roster, but like... How is this the plan? You know, isn't that alarming to fans who are watching this that like a guy who made the team two days ago played significant rotation minutes for us in game one of the NBA season? That should be extremely, extremely alarming to fans. Well, you know what he's here for, right? What? He's here to dig our grave. <laughs> hey. All right. Uh, I we guess we didn't already trans- that. I just want to clarify I that. Did not, I did, yeah, we did not rehearse that. Um, okay. I feel like we've transitioned into the negative portion of the show, so we might yeah, as well. Let's just do it. Take- let's just embrace <laughs> it. <laughs> let's take it to break. And we, when we return, we'll get into more of the specifics of what we saw from the team as a whole from a pessimistic point of view and maybe bring up the front office as well. So we will catch you guys after the term. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. All right, so we are back. The Warriors actually had a 27-point lead on us at one point in the third quarter. That's pretty bad. The Lakers' largest lead was just two points. Um, The rebounding discrepancy wasn't that large by the end of the game, 48-47 to in the Warriors' favor, but you could tell in the fourth quarter the Lakers had lulled the Warriors' to a state of comatose to the point where they were so bored with the Lakers' bad play that they were literally, like, fooling around, you know? And that's when the Lakers made one of their patented fake comebacks. (laughs) And, like, Russell Westbrook gets, like, this one-handed tomahawk jam in transition, and he's, like, puffing his chest out, and the Lakers are still down by 13, you know, with, like, five (laughs) minutes left in the fourth. And I'm just like, are we really going to do this again this year? Just like the memes write themselves. I know, dude. Um, Lakers were 10 for 40 from three-point land, 25%. The Warriors actually started off really cold as well, but ended up 16 of 45, 35%. But they definitely could have shot better than that. And when the Lakers were sort of holding serve in the first half, it was mainly because the Warriors weren't hitting their open threes, you know? And people were saying, oh, it's good. The Lakers are only down by two. And the common refrain that I kept saying in the first half was, Yeah, but when it comes to the Lakers and their lack of shooting, and you look at their opponent on the other end with superior shooting, two points may as well be 
a 10-point deficit with how quickly things can swing because we can never make up enough points because you know the Warriors are eventually going to start hitting their threes. And sure enough, like two minutes later, a two-point lead or a two-point deficit turns into the Lakers are down by nine points. And then that ended up snowballing into the second half. And just, again, we can start here, Tommy, like the lack of spacing and just how crowded the paint was. It just took away even our two main players' best strengths in LeBron James and Anthony Davis because they didn't have the lanes to drive. I mean, they still did a good job forcing the issue, clearly, because they had 27 and 31 points, but they weren't efficient, you know? On a good night, they should be getting those points on 15 shots because they totally dominated the paint and we have a double-digit lead. But no, they really had to force the issue driving into a crowded paint because guys weren't hitting their open shots and... You want to say, why aren't they running pick and rolls? Because if they run a pick and roll, it's even more crowded because of the way the Warriors are defending us, you know? And it's going to lead to more turnovers because we can't cleanly clear out one side of the floor to run a proper pick and roll, you know? So there, it starts with the lack of shooting, obviously. And I, I mentioned it to you, but the Lakers are a walking analytics disadvantage. We, I can't believe we're playing this way in the modern NBA, you know? We're, we're yeah. trading three points for two points every time. Like, how are we ever going to make up enough points, you know? It's like, not only does a two-point deficit seem like a nine-point deficit when it's the Lakers, but can you imagine when the Lakers have double-digit leads? If the Lakers are up by 15, you may as well say that's probably a five-point lead with how fast another team can hit three-point shots. Like, a typical modern NBA team can hit three-point shots, whereas the Lakers will not be able to make up that same amount, you know? So even if the Lakers' shooting regresses to the mean in terms of they're not going to shoot like 15% all the time, the Warriors also regress to the mean positively, but they do so at such a more substantial volume rate that by the end of the positive regressing from both teams, the Warriors are going to be up by 15 points. So I guess that is my preamble to you just talking about what you thought about the game in general in a negative way yeah no i mean look the team honestly is who we thought they were 10 for 40 shooting on mostly uncontested threes no wing and no size depth means we're gonna get crushed on the boards even when we look decent on defense and for reference by the way 6'9", Jermichael Green, who was like floating around at the end of benches the last few seasons, had five offensive rebounds off the bench against us. Mm -hmm. That's insane, and that's not going to get it done. I think there's like a big problem that this organization has and this fan base has with like massively oversimplifying what wins in the NBA nowadays. Like, sure, you don't need 1990s era dominant big big men per se, but... The teams that are winning playing like quote unquote small, and I'm like emphasizing winning, right? I'm not talking about Mike D'Antoni ball playing five guards to win 40 games on like a middling team. I'm talking about the teams that actually win playing quote unquote small are playing mostly five man lineups that are like pretty much all six, eight, six, nine guys. I mean, when you look mm-hmm. at the, what the Clippers are trying to do, they're like the Clippers are trying to start like their closing lineup is going to be like three or four, six, nine guys and then a big guard. Like, that's what they're trying to do. And that makes sense in the modern era. For reference, the Warriors, who have, like, mastered this era of perimeter shooting and motion offense, gave 38 minutes last night to traditional fives in Looney and Wiseman. 
So, you know, it's it's mm. just like this idea that like, oh, we, everyone plays small now, so we're just going to play a bunch of 6-2 guards is like completely insane. And when we go to the bench and we're putting 6-8 six six, Wenyan Gabriel in there to be like our backup five in lineups where like we're not playing LeBron as the backup five, which is just like has already – we have a season of reps with that where it clearly is just not going to work defensively. It's just like we're going to continue to get crushed. Like the Warriors' defense, scoring wise, shooting efficiency wise, last night. Excuse me, the Warriors' bench last night, shooting efficiency and scoring wise, was not like amazing. I mean, Jordan. I guess some of their random like young guys had okay games. Jordan Poole was very off last night. It was like a very mediocre game for them overall. But they they destroyed us on the boards, and and that's just going to keep you know, continuing to be a problem. We had one offensive rebound off the bench. They had like seven and, and five of those were Jermichael green. So that is going to crush you. You're giving the, one of the best offensive teams in the NBA, six more looks than you're getting when you're, when you're going to those bench lineups. That is just like, I don't understand how anyone can say, you know, that's going to be acceptable and like, you know, adding two NBA starter caliber type players is not enough to make this team a contender. Again, I I just think oversimplification, that's what I'm going to say the entire season, oversimplification. People are so focused on what is going to be the five-man lineup to close the game. Let me tell you, we have LeBron, we have AD, we have Pat Beverly. Those three are going to be in the closing lineup, okay? Who is going to carry us through the middle innings of games? It's been season after season, we get crushed. Like last season, we got crushed in the second and third quarter the entire season. It was a recurring theme, and no one stands up and says, like, maybe it's because we don't have guys who can get us to a point where when LeBron and AD are playing this well, you throw Pat Bev on defense, like in the mix to muck things up. Like we're going to have enough, you know, at the end of games, if we can keep LeBron and AD energized enough at, you know, when we get to those moments, but who's going to take us through the middle of games. We don't have anybody. We're, we're giving 18 minutes in game one of the season to Matt Ryan, you know, Toscano Anderson was like our big minimum signing that everyone said was such a steal. He played 14 minutes, you know, Kendrick Nunn, was the only like decent bench player we had last night. And he only got 23 because we have to give so many minutes to Russ, you know? So it's just like, it, it's just like all across the board, it's embarrassment. And I think, like you said, the wa- walking anti- a- analytics contradiction or however you phrase it, that's, that's exactly right. And you didn't even bring up our two prized big man minimum signings who we got at a bargain who yeah. didn't even play. One, right. because Thomas Bryant already has a finger injury, which obviously he can't do anything about. But then Damian Jones, and this goes back to this goes back to planning, process, and how this organization somehow, even with Darvin Ham in, in fold, always manages to fumble this somehow. Because how many times did we play AD at the five in the preseason? It may have been like one or two games, I feel like. Um, most of it, we still played Damian Jones or Thomas Bryant or another big in there. Maybe it was half of the games, really. But I'm just concerned and worried and wondering why in game one, it seems like we're still playing in preseason and trying to figure things out. And then on top of that, Darvin Ham preemptively says, I want to make sure that the starting lineup stays consistent. And I was like, how can you make sure the starting lineup stays consistent when you haven't even 
legitimately tried out enough lineups with everybody playing, you know? So you're going to stay consistent with the first time we've seen Russell Westbrook, Pat Bev, and Lonnie Walker play together with Anthony Davis and LeBron James? What if it just absolutely sucks and we're just like digging our toes into the sand and saying, well, we need to stay consistent and start to drum up some continuity. But it's like, yeah, but you should have tried some of these things with the full complement of players in the preseason. And yet we still had guys resting at different moments during the preseason. We ended up one and five. We lose to the Sacramento Kings by 30 points the first game and then 47 points the last game. What exactly did we expect to happen to start this season? Because I feel like the next five games are going to be the Lakers in preseason mode trying to play catch up once again. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's, it, by the way, not a great time to be doing this because it's like, you know, and how many more years again, right? Are we going to like kind of screw ourselves in this way? But we have the Clippers who are probably the most people's numbers two or number one, frankly, you know, contender to come out of the West. We have them tomorrow after one day off after the, getting our ass beat by Golden State. And if you look at the our ten, our first 10 games, we play Utah twice. Every other game is against a playoff team. Namely, you know, three we have LA, Denver twice and Minnesota. So four of those games of of the next 9 games are going to be against teams that people are projecting to be in the top 4 in the West. And you know, Denver and Minnesota are both road games. Like we, what is the what is the plan? You know, like we keep saying, like they sign these two bargain bin bigs who are actually good value signings. You know, to your point, and and I guess the assumption from people trying to sort of deduce what the logic is here is that we are going maybe to counteract the fact that we are light on the wings by mm-hmm. pushing everyone down a peg and playing eighty at the four, LeBron at the five, and then you sort of address that problem you have with wing depth. No, game one of the season here, we're going, we're going full, uh, you know, throttle ahead with 80 at the five. Is it better for the offense? I guess it's better for an offense where you have Russell Westbrook also starting, you know what I mean? So what was the point of the Russell Westbrook experiment? You know, like off the bench. So he played three minutes off the bench and allegedly pulled his hamstring. I mean, this is like the same guy who, by the way, last season, right? When Frank Vogel, like, benched him in the fourth quarter of a game. The thing he said to the media after the game was, I don't know if if you remember this or if I'm slightly misquoting, but he said something to the effect of his back got tighter at the end of the game because he wasn't used to like sitting there. And it's just like, how are we like on a team with LeBron and AD, how are we saying that this is acceptable? Yeah. And to your point, it's like, if you're going to put AD at the five, why would you then devalue that slotting by adding Russell Westbrook into the lineup with him, you know? Yes. Like, if anything, swap out Russell Westbrook with Damian Jones if you're swapping out non-shooter for non-shooter because at least we get size back, you know? Or at least play Damian Jones at some point in the first half or second half because to your point, I mean, the Warriors are playing Kevon Looney. They, they played James Wiseman for 17 minutes. He looked pretty good, eight eight point seven rebounds, you know? Um it's just everything, again, feels so disjointed. And the fact that Russell Westbrook, who again played solidly, yes, is eating up 31 minutes is insane to me. And where do I want to go with this? What, what, what would be your solution of 
I don't know, against the Clippers? Are, are, are we going to continue rolling out this Russell Westbrook, Pat Bev, Lonnie Walker deal? Because for me, yes, playing AD at the five is the most quote-unquote ideal, but given his injury history, it's just not smart to be relying on that. No, and it's as a ticking mid, time bomb. Yeah. yeah, and as mid as Thomas Bryan and Damian Jones have looked, they also just need more reps and time with this group as well to yeah. get their sea legs underneath them and to cut that off at game one. Like, I'm sorry, until we trade for Miles Turner, we're going to need Damian Jones like to protect Anthony Davis from himself. Yes. So and- what... <laughs> Yeah, and it's like it, it again. This was the this was the like, and we kind of texted about this yesterday too before the game when it was announced that Russ was starting. This was the problem that like people had, like the Vogel supporters, I guess if you want to call them, when Vogel was fired, and like the idea that an NBA championship coach who was a solid coach, maybe set in his ways, but a solid coach could not have, like, thought of any of this stuff. Like, it's absurd. I mean, Vogel tried every lineup imaginable. He set an NBA record for for lineup configurations, you know? He tried every single thing, and if any of them worked, he would have stuck with it. None of them worked. So it's like, the reason it doesn't work is because you're trying to fit Russell Westbrook into a situation that just does not make sense. Mm -hmm. The ideal Russell Westbrook situation is what he had in Washington that last year, where he took, like, a you know, perennial low lotto team into, you know, into the play-in game because he could just run around with four shooters and, you know, maximize the usage and they could get some wins. It's not going to work here. So I don't know what they're doing. I mean, to your point, like why sign these bigs if you're not going to play them and get them reps with these lineups with guys that you were, you know, must have been envisioning that they would be playing, you know, with these types of guys. Like, why not get those reps? Like we 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 saw two seasons ago a LeBron and AD or three seasons ago, I guess at this point, a LeBron and AD team win a championship playing with JaVale and Dwight Howard, you know, as, as your two big men. It can work. It's just back then we Dude, didn't have that was a our motto. Which, I thought that I thought that was our motto this year. Yeah. And it's like, you know, you you can't <laughs> You know, our our motto this year is, you know, play small on D and and don't shoot threes. <laughs> like that's our motto. Like I don't, whatever they want to say it is publicly, that that's our actual motto. But the difference between that year and this year is we didn't we didn't insist on playing giving 30 plus like starter type minutes to a guy who shoots sub 30% from 3. And every single game for 82 games whenever he gets ready to shoot a 3, the fans are like the opposing fans are like begging him to shoot it. And and when he's not on the road and when he's at home, we were at the games last year. You know, yes. we went to a couple of games last year where when Russ would touch the ball and everyone in the in the in the stadium would go, "No, no, 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 no." <laughs> you know, like a kid is about to go like a bay your toddler's about to go touch the stove. That's like what it's like <laughs> when when Russ catches the ball on the perimeter. You know, so that it's just like it's 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 horrific team building, which we said the entire time. But it's like, how could they not, like, it's like they smugly fall back on this, like, well, we just have to see. You don't know. And it's like, okay. And then we see what it is, and it is what everybody in the world thought it would be. And and they they don't have any, what are they going to fall back on at this point? They're still going to say, like, well, it's game one of the season. Uh, AD and Russ and, and LeBron are finally playing together. And then they'll say, like... <laughs> 
you know, they still need more reps. And then we'll be 10 games through and it'll be like, well, it's still 10 games. And then we'll be getting close to the trade deadline. And it's like, you know, yeah. well, you know, Thomas Bryant and Troy Brown have been hurt. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? It's like, it's just like the excuses will go forever in perpetuity. Yeah, no, I mean, the team is flying by the seat of their pants at this point. They're trying to figure it out as they go. And this is what happens when Palinka and the front office don't get things squared away in the summer when they should have and allow these things to linger. I cannot believe there were some arguments, arguments being made to go into the season like this because it could potentially help the Lakers trade leverage. What? Yes. I mean, how ludicrous is that? There were arguments being made that the front office needs to see the Lakers team prove themselves first before they make a deal. They intentionally, no pun intended, hamstrung this team. Was Rob Palenka's entire ploy to just keep these draft picks because he knew he was going to stay on till 2026, and so he intentionally wanted to make sure that this team looked as bad as it possibly did and made as little sense as it now, as it now looks like it does? So that he wouldn't have to swing a trade because his rationale would be it wouldn't have moved the needle anyways. Because signing Dennis Schroeder last minute and locking these guys into guaranteed contracts, the Lakers don't have any more flexibility, you know? And given their luxury tax situation, you know they're not just going to cut a guaranteed player and sign a new guy, right? The guys who are going to get cut are Wenyan Gabriel, who you actually kind of need, and Matt Ryan, who's your only source of spacing, you know? Those guys gave us 26 minutes last night. <laughs> we can't just cut them. <laughs> but in order to, like, you know, fill in the gap for Thomas Bryan or get more size or whatever in Dennis Schroeder's absence, it's just we're stuck here unless a trade is made. And so to close this episode, I just want to go back to who thought this was a good idea, dude? Yeah. And I, I mentioned it to you the last podcast, and I realized that I was very subdued in how I presented this. And I said... With regards to the Palinka extension, at best, I'm neutral about it. At worst, it makes no sense. Having thought about it more and seeing the Warriors contingent and what they've built over the years and seeing just how far we've fallen last night, I realize that I am boiling. I'm infuriated with the Palinka extension, actually. Reminded of the fact that he built the worst LeBron James-led <laughs> team with two guys in their prime, LeBron James and Anthony Davis, because he didn't know they were going to get injured at the start of the season. So putting that aside, he managed to build the worst championship contending roster that LeBron James has ever been on. And his reward for that was getting a three-year extension before he had even, you know, traded Russell Westbrook before the season had even begun. And this is what we're left with. And I just... You know, I, I joked on Twitter. I was like, it, it boggles my mind that Palenka somehow doesn't understand that the two most important things in basketball is being tall and putting the ball in the basket, both of which we do not have outside of LeBron James and Anthony Davis. <laughs> I mean, yeah, literally, that's when you boil it down, that's what basketball is, and we're not doing that. We're dimensionalizing. <laughs> Whatever, whatever that means, you know, I feel like he can, because that's not an actual word, Palinka can spin that however way he wants well, to. Well, let me, let me just tell you this. We might not be a good basketball team in 2022, but Palinka is looking into the multiverse and there is a universe 
where this roster actually makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's what the most <laughs> the most unfortunate part about this is this would be the perfect year to actually go all in on the tank. But as you oh, guys yeah. all know, our pick is going to the New Orleans Pelicans. Otherwise, I'd this... be like, yeah, trade AD, trade AD, trade Russ, go in all in on the tank. Actually, whatever, keep Russ, <laughs> trade AD, <laughs> go all in on the tank, shut down LeBron for the rest of the season. I guess let LeBron play so he can get his points. Yeah, and break the record, and then draft Wemby, but. Yeah, the Pelicans have a swab, so that's not going to happen. I I cannot believe we're stuck with this dude for the next four years, including this one. And I just have lost all my faith and joy as a fan. And in spite of the fact that I'm still going to be rooting for these players, and I think that they can still do something positive and great and show some flashes, I am just continually left in a state of being reminded who our upper management is yeah and just being super deflated about that yeah i will say this you know everyone knows we're going to be negative probably most of the season because this team is going to be awful and it's not going to be fun to watch uh, most of the time but i'll say two things okay one is i am going to i'm not going to be optimistic at all nobody misinterpret this as optimism because <laughs> it is absolutely not optimism but I am going to observe with a, you know, calm demeanor how we look in the home opener against the Clippers. Because sometimes, you know, look, I didn't know this, actually. I don't know if you were aware of this. Harrison Fagan, like, tweeted this at some point before the game. I'm so used to the Lakers winning championships and laying an egg on ring night that I thought that that's what most teams did on ring night. Turns out teams on ring night win like 85% of the time, (laughs) which is like insane. Yeah. It's like, so I was expecting kind of, I think you actually tweeted something to this effect, but I was expecting the Warriors to be sort of lackadaisical because that's how we were during our ring night. I think the Clippers blew us out. Right. So, um, that's, that is apparently a Laker specific thing. The Warriors looked good. They, you know, they are who they are. They're the defending champs. They're a good team. They were, you know, top three offense, top three defense. They probably will be again this year. And it was on the road and it was on ring night, which is apparently an advantage. So, you know, that's fine. That is what it is. Like, I'm not going to put still too much on that. I don't like the process, but I'm not going to put too much on that game. How does this team look in the home opener? Because I know it's the Clippers home court too, but it is going to be a Lakers home game. It's going to be the home opener in front of all the fans and the celebrities are going to be out and it's going to be a a somewhat electric atmosphere. How do they look in that game? If they look okay in that game, maybe I will reassess my take of this being like a 30 to 35 win team to maybe this being like a 500 team that can compete for like a play in spot, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and I'll slightly adjust as the season goes. So I'm looking to see that I'm looking to see like, you know, this, this sort of game against the Warriors last season would have been a 40 point loss. Um, I mildly encourage that these random bench guys who we signed to do this exact thing, like, you know, Lonnie Walker, the Toscano, Anderson, keeping Reeves, Kendrick Nunn, like, getting guys like Pat Bev, like, Wenyan, you know, giving him minutes. Like, the the whole idea of that was we have some youth and energy that those guys, no matter how bad or lackadaisical or whatever LeBron, AD, and Russ look like, like, those guys need to, like, keep pushing and keep, try- keep trying. This, this could have, 
gotten out of control even more than it did and led to a 40-point loss. Like I said, I think the 14-point loss is a little misleading, but it gives me hope that maybe we will lose less of those, like, we're playing against a team that's trying to tank and we lose, um, you know, like we had last year. So, I, I you know, I'm going to give it us the solid 10. I, I think we're going to go 3-7, and seven, but if we do anything better than that, you know, I'll... I will, I will be, you know, maybe slightly more encouraged by the process. But the max upside of this team is what it is. I mean, we saw it tonight against a real contender. We look like a lottery team. Yeah, uh, I'm glad you're the voice of reason. But man, the bar is so low for this team. Yeah. Um, Clay Thompson, by the way, only played 20 minutes because they were pretty much load managing oh. him. So I mean, well, no, I was going to say this was not the Warriors, by the way, no. playing us at max strength. Their only starter who played more than 30 minutes was Steph Curry. Um, Clay played 20. Wiggins played 29. Draymond played 25. They were giving significant minutes to, like, guys like Jermichael Green and, you know, Kaminga and Wiseman. And they gave 22 minutes to Dante DiVincenzo. Okay? So, like, these guys were not, like, coming out here trying to, like, you know, we this is a must win for us. They didn't even care about this game, and they beat the crap out of us. Yeah. And I'm sorry. uh, Dennis Schroeder... Thomas Bryant, Damian Jones, and Troy Brown, all minimum signings are not going to be the guys who save the day. We had our full yeah. complement of main players, you know? Yeah. And I Anthony mean, Davis yeah. and LeBron James did their job. Russell Westbrook even did his quote-unquote job. And we still got wax. And again, to your point, it is the Warriors. It'll be interesting to see. I'm looking more towards the Blazers game because I think we have a chance in that game. Um, if we can somehow, you know, make it competitive against the Clippers in our home, home home opener, that would be amazing. But for me, the real litmus test comes in the Sunday game versus the Portland Trailblazers because I feel like we have a legitimate shot at actually winning that game. And if we are still unable to do that, then yeah, I don't know what we're doing here. I mean, I already, I'm already in that state, but definitely even more so. I'm like, Palinka's going to have to make a decision at this point. Like either swing the Russell Westbrook trade if it's even still available because now you look hella desperate, even more desperate and who could who could have seen that coming. Right. Or I don't know, man, like you have to make a decision this season with what you want to do with LeBron James and Anthony Davis because everything he promised in the offseason they seem like lies to me. So. Yep. Um with that said, yeah, I mean the NBA is back, so that's fun, and uh, it's still fun watching these players play. Anthony Davis look good. LeBron James look good. If anything, it'll always feel this season like we're so close yet so far. You know, seeing uh, Anthony Davis and LeBron James play to the levels that we know they can play and then looking around them and not seeing enough support. Um, but hopefully guys will continue to progress we need Russell Westbrook's minutes to come down so that the guys who need the reps can get them because they're still young, like Austin Reeves, you know? Um, and I hope Damian Jones gets into the fold somehow and we can find some sort of lineups and continuity and cohesiveness that can work because I don't think this starting lineup of Russell Westbrook, Pat Bev, and Lonnie Walker is it. I think Kendrick Nunn needs to be inserted there to add some spacing yeah, to close, do you have any thoughts on just like, I know Darvin Ham said, well, we want to see this starting lineup for the next 10 games, or we want to have a consistent look at the starting lineup. But if he does that, Tommy, we are going to be 10 games below 500, like no. 20 games in. It's so absurd. in your opinion, who who would you insert there? or How would you shuffle it? 
I would shuffle it by taking Russ out and starting Austin Reeves. I think that at least gives you next to Pat Bev. There's still two six four guards, but it does give you a little bit more size. Austin is a solid defender. Again, I I hated this Lonnie signing so much when all the analytics came out post immediately post signing. I will have to I guess see what the analytics look like this year. This guy is trying. I, I, he's mm-hmm. clearly playing for a contract, which is totally fine. I mean, that's that was the point of the deal he signed with us. But like, I've never seen in like his prior highlights or you know, oh, like sort of scouting reports that he was this engaged off ball defensively. Like they clearly told him you were responsible for chasing the shooters tonight. So like, get ready for it. And he took that and he he accepted the challenge and he did it and. They shot well, but, like, they're the Warriors. So, like, somebody has to do it. He did a good job. I'm fine starting him. I'm fine starting Pat Bev. Starting Russ makes no sense. Our our bench is horrific. You know, our bench scored seven – or, uh, let's see, 18, 19 points. And that was – I'm not counting, like, the garbage time, yeah. you know, a couple of points um, from Scottie Pippen and Max Christie. So, our bench scored 19, effectively 19 points. 13 of the 19 was Kendrick Nunn. Austin Reeves is not like a, I'm going to go get my own type of guy. He needs to start. He needs to play with LeBron um, and play mm-hmm. off of the stars. Toscano, whatever, leave him off the bench. He's a role player. But I, it's almost like everything that ha- offers a modicum of hope or a modicum of you know sensical decision-making, we just sprint in the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. Like We have actually put together a team where we could bring... Russell Westbrook off the bench with a backup or with another guard in the backcourt with him and Kendrick Nunn, a combo guard who can really play well off of him because he can shoot and handle the ball himself. And like some of these other, you know, Toscano and some other guys who are going to run and be a little more athletic than we've had the past couple of years. And we insist on still starting him. I mean, this, this is like a roster that like screams for Russell Westbrook to be coming off the bench because we don't need his 19 minutes you know, in, in the starter minutes with 19 points, excuse me, his 19 minutes in the starting minutes with LeBron, his turnovers suddenly start to look less like, like they send it, they start to be less crippling when he is the guy you need to create the offense because you don't have anybody else. His turnovers are exceedingly crippling when Mm -hmm. LeBron and AD are on the floor at the same time. And they could have been avoided by just giving the ball to one of those guys. Like if those guys are going to turn the ball over, that's different. But like Russ can't be turning it over four four or five times a game playing next to and with LeBron and AD the entire time. That's just crazy, you know? So they need to, they need to move Russ to the bench to give this like any chance of working. And I just, I don't think they're going to do it. This whole excuse of like, I didn't even know what to do. Like, that's why my hamstring got tight. Cause I didn't know what to do in my pregame routine. That was the point of trying this during the preseason, which they waited until the last game to do. And then that was all like, yeah, Darvin Ham has allegedly been talking to him about this like all summer. Every time this comes up, Darvin Ham is constantly like, "Yeah, I've been told. I've told him a hundred times. We t- always talk about how he might come off the bench." How, it, it was it for seemed show. Like, it seemed like it was a surprise to Russ. How come no one says that? You know what I mean? How come no one yeah. in the media says, "Really, you weren't sure what to do?" You know, like ask Darvin Ham. Hey, Darvin Ham. Russ says he wasn't sure how to get ready. I thought you guys have been talking about this for like the last four months. Nobody in those discussions that never once came up. Like, 
how should I prepare? Because I've never come off the bench before. Like, the training staff never talked to him about, like, hey, you're new coming off the bench for the first time in 15 years. So, like, you might want to consider doing these things to keep yourself fresh because you're just not used to it. Like, it it, it is so you know, disingenuine. And, and we just continue to say this stuff. And it just, it, it, it makes it very, very hard to be a fan when you know, you're just getting fed bullshit, you know? Yeah. No, you, you said it right there. It was all for optics at the end of the day. I think for me, I would go two different ways. One, if you want to go big and actually take advantage of the size that you have, I would try out the AD Damian LeBron James front court again, and then flank them with either Patrick Beverly and Lonnie Walker or uh, Patrick Beverly and Austin Reeves. And then if you want to keep 80 at the five, then 80 LeBron, Pat Bev, Lonnie, and you said Reeves, right? I, I could also see none being in that starting lineup. Yeah. And then overall, you zoom out. This this team screams for a Russell Westbrook trade because you would, because you signed Dennis Schroeder, and it's so crazy that, you know, reports came out that Palenka had hoped to trade Russell Westbrook by the time that he signed Schroeder, but he signed Schroeder anyways. I mean, just yeah. lunacy all throughout. You know, this decision-making, the process, it just makes n- very, very little sense, very little foresight into anything. And again, flying by the seat of their pants at all times. You cannot have a GM doing that, and yet he has four years left. Anyways, besides the point, um, or actually, pretty big point, but because we have Dennis Schroeder there, he could essentially be that Russell Westbrook, quote-unquote, off the bench, right? And one positive thing I'll say is, hey, Max Christie is proving me wrong. This dude probably needs minutes his first year. He's grown leaps and bounds from what we've seen from him in Summer League, and guess what Max Christie has that a lot of these guys don't have? He has some size to him, you know? And right now, as currently constructed, he makes way more sense than waiting for Dennis Schroeder to come back. I know that we need scoring and whatever, but... In your proposed plan, if Russell Westbrook's coming off the bench, I actually think having a sizable guard like Max Christie, who's active and does all the small things and little things well, would actually help this team. But because there's such a guard glut, and this was one of the main reasons why I was not thrilled with the drafting of Max Christie, it currently doesn't make sense to play him. But he may force his way into the conversation, and again, things will make so much more sense If Russell Westbrook is traded, then you can actually see how far and how much Max Christie has progressed because it seems like he learns pretty quickly and is able to get the nerves out of the way pretty quickly, you know? So, but things are going to remain in this holding pattern where we're seemingly running in place till a lot of these things get resolved. And it's crazy that we spent two months in this summer not doing anything about this stuff and now we're going to be forced to address these things in the middle of the season as we try to be competitive or remain competitive like all of this is just so backwards to me to your point it seems like we just go the opposite direction of intuition and we're going to be forced to pay for it you know we wasted tommy we wasted a whole summer of being able to sort this stuff out and get all of your orders or getting all of your stuff in order. And yeah. so now here we are. Seems like and, a mess, and, but yeah. yeah, and this is exactly what we didn't want. We we mm-hmm. as fans, right? We I'm not going to talk about what the organization want, wanted or didn't want because <laughs> nobody can predict that with reliability. But as fans, this is what we didn't want. We've had 3 years, this is our third year in a row 
of starting seasons that felt frantic. The first one was nobody's fault. That was just coming off the wave of the weird COVID stuff. And we had like one month off and then it was time to go. So yeah, maybe that was always going to feel frantic. Although, you know, we were defending champs. So until the injuries happened, we were number one in the league. Okay. But, um, not really. And it felt like we weren't even really trying that hard. Um, prior last season felt frantic because we started with this weird collection of guys. We didn't really play the big three in the preseason and we, it just felt like we were figuring things out on the fly. This season felt frantic again for the same reason, because it felt like our roster was not never really final until the week before camp when we or like whatever it was when we signed Schroeder, you know? So, and, and that didn't answer any of the rest stuff. And so still not final. (laughs) Yeah, so it's like, it almost feels like now, right? Like, there was, and I, by the way, would still do this, but as each day passes, it feels less and less worth it to trade two first-round picks to get Miles and Buddy because the season becomes more and more lost. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, there is going to be a learning curve, and there's going to be, like, things that have to happen for Miles and Buddy who, you know, Miles has never played on a team other than the Pacers. That's going to be a learning curve. Buddy Heald, you know, is going to need to figure out how he fits into this offense playing with, you know, two superstars if we got him. Like, that's not just going to happen in one game. And the reason and part of the, you know, push from us as fans and, and a lot of fans who kind of agreed with this line of thinking was just get the trade done now. Because if you don't get it done now, it becomes more, you're just like writing off the season. Because even if you you can't fall back on this, like, well, that trade is always going to be there stuff. Because the season is not always going to be there. How you start makes a big difference. The year we won the championship, we started like 24 and three people forget about that. We had like a historically good start and that's why that team was so elite and was the championship favorite for all most of the season then won. So that like, you know, maybe we wouldn't have started that strongly with buddy and miles, but we certainly would be laying foundation for a roster that makes a little bit more sense and can continue to improve over the course of the season. Even if we made yeah. a trade, you know, now with Russ, it, forget the buddy trade, but like any trade with Russ, it's like, we're just continuing this. Like, you know, it feels like the, the entire rest of the league, at least the serious contenders, are pushing forward like a train over the course of the season. And the Lakers are here, like, on ice skates, like, you know, it's their first time on ice skates, like, slipping and sliding and, near like, barely keep it, keeping themselves up on the on the ice while everyone else is just charging through on, on, on a train. Yeah, you know? we're continually in a state of catch-up is pretty yeah. much what you're getting at. And to your point... All the people who have been pushing for the Lakers to retain their two first-round picks and not trade it for a middling package like Miles Turner and Buddy Heald, Tommy, given everything that you said, those people are going to be proven right, but not for the reasons that they thought initially. Yep. They're going to be proven right because the Lakers wasted an entire offseason and training camp not getting those guys in early. So even if they do swing the trade, like you said, they're going to spend the first half of the season in training camp mode, just getting everybody acclimated to their new surroundings. And I still don't think it's too late. If they swing it relatively early, I, I think that we can still make a second um, second half push. But they, de- they need to make this decision soon because the season is going to be slipping away from, slipping from our hands uh, quicker than we can say light years. Or, I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. Um, but... The other thing, too, that like having Buddy Heald and Miles Turner would have done is it would have given the Lakers—you mentioned foundation, and that's, that's 
exactly right. It would have given them a basis, an actual like intuitive reference point with which they could properly evaluate this team. But as it stands, they know that this team isn't it. So how are you even assessing things with a clear head? You know what I mean? That's just going to lead to further bad decisions down the line. Whereas if you had just intuitively constructed a team that makes sense with size and shooting, then you can actually say, if this isn't working, then we need to change things up. Or if this is working, then this is how we continue to improve the team, right? But when you're looking at a pile of crap that already doesn't make sense, where do you go from there? You know, you're not even working from a sound position of evaluation at that point. So that's where yeah. we are. But hey, things can change. If the Lakers beat the Clippers tomorrow, we're going to be back on it. <laughs> pew, pew, it's lit. So. We're going to be back on the lit train. It's funny, like when we started this podcast, it was all about getting lit and having fun and, and you know, being excited, being lit. And now I just feel like, you know, to borrow the Zoomer tech, uh, terminology, like we're just on the mid train. <laughs> like we're just going to be. Mid. It's mid. <laughs> Like that should be the, you should actually change the logo of the, uh, of the podcast and, instead of it's lit it's, or, you know, or no, that t-shirt you made that one yeah, time. Yeah. It's, it's mid LA. Mid LA. <laughs> hey guys, watch out soon. It's mid LA shirts coming. Please give us five stars in the Apple podcast and Spotify app. If you want a free, it's mid LA shirt. Um, <laughs> But yeah, we've gone on long enough. That'll do it for, gosh, this is just the first game, man. The first podcast of the regular season. Strap in, folks. It's going to be a long ride. Hoping for better things down the line. But yeah, Anthony Davis and LeBron James look good. I'm telling you, get into fantasy basketball because it's the only way that you'll get through these games because at least you'll see dudes putting up stats for your team and the final result won't matter because sadly, final result won't matter even if we lose because we can't tank this year. And that's the way the cookie crumbles. So with that said, we will catch you guys next time. And uh, Tommy, I will see you when the Lakers have at least one win, I think. Yikes. See you in a few weeks, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Later, dude. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.